So uh, probably everyone in this room has uh, a phone, something that 20 years ago none of us knew we needed, but now we can't live without it, right? Or a computer or a, a padlet, you know, uh, an iPad or a, uh, a Kindle or some sort of pad. And every one of those devices has what they call an operating system, right? And uh, the interesting thing is your operating system generally needs to be updated on a regular basis. They call that the OS. Or, Like, for instance, for a computer, for a Macintosh, they have what they call the operating system is OS X, right? And then for a Windows, well, for an IBM computer, we used to call them IBM, but now we call them Windows computers or if you use Linux or whatever. But... And they're always upgrading. It's, I think Windows is at 10 or something. And uh, they have different, they have creative names too. Like um, Apple's kind of creative in their Macintosh software. They have Mountain Lion and, you know, and Everest. Uh, and then uh, for, but for Windows, it's like Windows 8, Windows 9, you know, uh, Windows 10. No, they don't. Th- and, 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 for even for your phone. Now that's where where the if you have an iPhone, it's just OS five, OS six, OS I don't know where nine I think now or somewhere like that. Uh, but if you have an Android phone, and maybe you say, well, do I have it? Do I know if I have an Android? I, you know, ask somebody afterwards. Um, but I love the names of the Android operating system: Gingerbread, Honeycomb, Ice Cream Sandwich. Jelly Bean is the current version. You wonder, what are they going to come up with next? Licorice stick or something like that? Um, but you might even have, you know, you can have a, an Apple phone or an Android uh, operating system. Or maybe you have a Windows phone. Or maybe you have a Crackberry. I'm sorry, a Blackberry. Um, but here's what happens. Your phone, generally, you have to update the software of your phone, your operating system. And sometimes you'll have a minor upgrade and you'll need to reboot the phone or reboot the tablet or reboot the computer. And it will work better sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes you look at it and you go, man, this is really a lot better than it used to be. It's the same old device, but it really has a lot lot of new features here. And it seems like almost a whole new advice because, device because it's been upgraded. The operating system has been upgraded. And oftentimes, as I said, when you upgrade your computer, your operating system, your computer or your, your phone or your pad, generally it'll say it needs to reboot. And it reboots and it say, you know, and you go in and it says, hey, there's all these new things. You want to look at them right now? And you say, no, just let me do my stuff. But here's, here's where we're going to go in this uh, series. The Bible says something very interesting. The Bible says that when we come to Jesus Christ, we get a new operating system. We get a new heart. Our eyes are open. Our, we can hear now. We can see now. We understand now. And we get a brand new operating system. And it's an eternal operating system. It's a heavenly operating system. It's different. And it's, 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 very in, it's an interesting uh, operating system because it basically, uh, what the Bible says is you've been rebooted. You've been renewed. You've been reborn. 
That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You need to be born again. You need a new operating system is what he was saying to Nicodemus. And, 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 and so when we come to Christ, what Jesus does is he, he reboots us. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're, you knew something was different within you and something has changed. And you've seen how the operating system is now playing out and you're making different choices now. And you have more hope now and you have purpose and you have meaning where you didn't have any. And things have changed. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at a church, the church at Corinth. And if you want to turn to page 884, I want to read a passage of Scripture from the book of 1 Corinthians. And we have these chair Bibles, and if you go to page 884, you'll be able to find that uh, passage. But essentially what I want to do is I want to tell you what Paul's going to do in this uh, time we're together tonight and, as, and this week and uh, as we move through the series. Um, we're going to see how Paul basically says what happens when Christians are rebooted in a community, when they get new hearts and new lives, when they're changed, radically changed. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. This is what it says. Notice what Paul says. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. That's our old operating system, Right? How differently we know Him now. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old operating system, the old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Now, it would be nice if this new operating system we got was the final version with all the bugs worked out. But as you found out and as I found out, we get a new operating system, but there's bugs in it. And the bugs really, go, they're kind of hardware related to us. <laughs> you know, because you can upgrade a, a, a software, but uh, sometimes it's the hardware that gives you the problems with the software. And it works somewhere, but it doesn't work here. And that's a big problem, right? And so we've gotten this new operating system, and, uh, but we haven't gotten the final complete version yet. There's still bugs in there. But the good news is our inner operating system is being updated daily, weekly, and monthly as we allow God's Word and God's Spirit to update us, to upgrade us, to work out the bugs. And and that's what God wants to do in each of our lives. Now, hopefully, your operating system as a follower of Jesus Christ looks different than it did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, right? Because if you think about a year ago, I don't even know where we were with, uh, with some of these operating systems in pads, uh, pads, tablets, computers, phones change, it just seems like, all the time. Uh, but a couple years ago, there was quite a, there's been quite a change in, in that. In the same way, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as we allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to transform us, then we ought to be operating differently. We ought to be operating differently. And those who belong to Christ, those who have been given a new operating system, are being transformed day by day from the inside out. That's what the Bible says. We're new creations. Now, in this series, we're going to look at a church that did not have it all together. In fact, they had numerous issues and problems. And I always get a kick out of people saying, uh, we're following the new the the uh, first century church were following their pattern. 
And I always often say, well, which church are you following? Are you following Ephesus? Are you following Colossae? Are you following Rome? Are you following Corinth? Corinth is where we're going to be. And frankly, I don't know if I want to pattern any church after Corinth. And, and we'll see. There's some real problems. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what happens to individuals and a community when God begins to reboot the citizens of that community, Corinth, the city of Corinth, and what happens when they come together as his church. And and how does that all work out? And in the midst of that, we're going to find some really interesting things that Paul has to say to us this weekend. Um, Because the believers from Corinth, they're coming from very different cultural views. They're from, uh, they have... uh, and God's bringing them together in one church. So the questions we're going to address is this. What happens when God reboots a city by forming his new community? Because after all, folks, that's what he's doing here in this community, in Hope Church, in this greater Dubuque community. He's rebooted his church, and he's saying, how will this operating system have an influence on the greater community? which, by the way, is running at a different operating system. And that operating system doesn't get this one. Okay? And, and that's really what we want to look at. What happens when people begin to discover what it means to follow Jesus when they operate this new operating system, when this new operating system is, is taking over their lives and, and, and they're giving control over to God and they're allowing Jesus to be Lord and, and they're seeing changes in their own individual life. And it doesn't, it's not always pretty, but it's always kind of interesting. So go back a few pages to page 870, and I want to just go through just kind of a quick overview of, of Paul as he writes to Corinth, and he writes to the Christians in Corinth, and they have a church there, and Paul says this. This is 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, page 870. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Suthanes, I am writing to God's church in Corinth, uh, to you who have been called by God to be his holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ. Now this new community at Corinth, this church, was made up of Romans, Greeks, and Jews. And they were very different. They were very different. And God brought them out of the world to form his new community, but not without significant problems. There's a number of significant problems that the church of Corinth had. Let me list just three of the major problems that you'll see throughout the whole letter. The first one is this. They were divided along ethnic lines. There was this division between the Romans and the Greeks and the Jews. There was just ethnic divide within the church. And as a result, people from diverse cultures, as they came together, there was a pronounced social stratification uh, among the members of the church. 
There were the wealthy and poor, the educated and uneducated, the powerful and the weak, the slave and the free. And that's what happens when God reboots people. He doesn't just reboot the upper class or the lower class or the middle class. He doesn't just reboot the educated or the uneducated. He doesn't just reboot the rich and the poor. Or He reboots people from all stratus, you know, all of those. And so you have a group of people that would never probably get together for any other reason other than they are all running on the same operating system. And they go, hey, you get me and the other people around me don't. My family doesn't get me, but you do because we're running on the same operating system. We love Jesus and we know what he did for us and it's changed our lives. So we're kind of going to get together, but that doesn't mean we still don't have issues because we're trying to work through what this means. So they were divided among ethnic lines. Secondly, they are divided among teachers. Paul says in verse 12, he says, Some of you were saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others were saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. Uh, or another, uh, I'm a follower of Peter. And then there was the really super spiritual ones that said, I only follow Christ. And they probably said it like that too, you know. It's like, oh, whatever, you know. Um, so they're divided among teachers. And you know, that doesn't happen today, thank God. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, it does. (laughs) The third thing is they're divided by the gifts of the Spirit because they had the gifts of the Spirit, but they didn't have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, we're talking about uh, all the gifts of the Spirit, but they were all about the miraculous, the healing, the tongues, just all of those sign gifts. They were all about that. It was all about that all the time. And they were, you know, they were saying, you know... um, but, you know, it's interesting because in the midst of the chapters where Paul talks about the gifts of the gifts of the uh, spirit is 12 through 14. Do you know what chapter 13 is? Paul says, let me talk to you a little bit about love. You guys have the gifts, but you don't have any love for one another. You're not showing the fruit of the spirit. You guys are treating each other like dirt. You guys aren't behaving according to the operating system that I put into your, 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 your heart. You're behaving as though people who are competing against one another, people who don't love one another. And so in the midst of the gifts, he puts chapter 13 and talks about love. And that was their problem. That was one of the biggest problems they had. They were all about the sign gifts, but they were not about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, this is still true today. There are Christians today that say, show me the sign gifts, show me the miraculous, show me the, 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 the presence, the, the, the power of God. I want to see that. You know, I, I believe that God can do miracles and can do powerful things. There's no question in my mind that He can. But you know what? I want to, I want to tell you, and maybe this will, this will be disappointing to you. The Christian life is boring. I mean, it's a daily get up, follow God. Follow Jesus. Choose to love your wife if you're married. Love your husband if you're married. Love your kids if you have kids. Put in a good day's work if you have a job. Uh, Work hard at things. Share the message that God has done in your life with others. It's pretty mundane. Now, sometimes you'll have the mountaintop experience or you'll have that great experience. But generally speaking, it's getting up every day and just being a faithful. uh, Larry Osborne has a phrase for it. He calls them Corinthian cobblers. 
And those were the people that never get mentioned in Scripture. You never hear about their, their, you know, being locked up in prison or, you know, being stoned or any of that stuff. They're just plugging away day by day, just loving God, loving their wives, loving their husbands, loving their families, uh, you know, making a difference in their community for the kingdom of God. They're showing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. If you haven't ever memorized that, I would encourage you to memorize that passage this weekend. Because the Bible talks about being... It, doesn't, it never commands us to have the gifts of the Spirit. It never commands us to speak in tongues. The Bible never commands you to speak in tongues. But it does command you to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely, completely. So, they had the gifts of the Spirit, but not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, in Paul's letters, generally, he commends the church. So, it's kind of like a a letter that we used to write. We don't write them anywhere. We write emails. But in a letter, when I went to school, we had had the salutation and the first thing and and all the form of the letter. And Paul basically uses something similar to that. He said he introduces himself and he'll say who he's writing to and who's with him. And then he'll say something positive, generally, about the church he's writing to or the churches he's writing to, okay? And so when he does that, he usually gives, pays them a compliment. So here's what he says. Like, for instance, I want to give you a couple of for instances. First Thessalonians 1, verse 3. We think of you, we think of your faithful work and your loving deeds and enduring hope you have because of the Lord Jesus. So there, Paul is affirming them for their loving deeds in the church of Thessalonica. Okay? That's good. Uh, come to Colossians chapter 1. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae. And he says, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope, uh, your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation since you first heard the truth of the good news. So Paul says you've had faith in Christ and you're, you love, you know, one another. Uh, look at Philippians 1, verses 4 through 6. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain, this is a great verse, by the way, verse 6. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue His work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Can I interpret that according to the message we're using this weekend? God has begun an operating system, and He's going to keep improving that operating system until we get to heaven and we get the final operating system. But look at what he says to the church at Corinth. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, where's the compliment? (laughs) Have you ever done that where you you say, you know somebody's fishing for a compliment, but you know in a good, good mind you can't really give them a compliment, maybe to your children or something. And you say something like, well, you know I love you. You know, it's like, okay, that's good. But, you know, uh, this is not a compliment. Paul is basically saying, yeah, I don't really have much to celebrate about you guys other than Christ became real and you got a new operating system. But it isn't working real well among you. It isn't working. In other words, he's saying, I'm glad God showed you grace and saved your souls. 
But he's not complimenting them. He's complimenting God. And he believes what he said uh, later on where he says, He who has begun a good work in you will continue it. The work's not done yet. The operating system has some bugs to be worked out, right? And then he goes on in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians, and he says, this is page 870. Notice, Paul says, Has Christ been divided into factions or divisions? Uh, Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, for uh, now... uh, for now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. So in other words, Paul's basically saying, all right, I'm using a general statement here. I, don't, I haven't baptized a lot of people here. But then he says this, For Christ did not, he didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but for those who are being saved, they know it as as it is the very power of God. We who know and are being saved know it is the very power of God. You, You... Please, would you underline that Bible on your smart phone, on your tablet? On... And as the Scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Here's the idea I want you to take away this weekend. The kingdom of God operates on an eternal, heavenly operating system. And when we come to Christ and we call upon Him and we ask Him to come into our lives... And when He comes into our lives, He gives us a new operating system. He gives us a new heart. He changes the way we view things. But what He's saying, what Paul is saying here is pretty, pretty important for us to catch. This is the reason why some of your friends and some of your neighbors and your co-workers and your family members don't get you. They don't understand you. They think you're, they think you're nuts. They think you joined a cult. They think you're out of your mind. They think you're drinking Jesus juice too much. That you're just flipping out. And they're, they're struggling with this. And what Paul is saying is very important. He is saying that we live in a world with an old operating system. And it says this. This is what the, the operating system of the world says. The operating system of the world says it's good to be rich and powerful. It's, it, it, to be good looking and healthy is good. To be educated and intelligent. To be well liked and respected. To be fulfilled and successful. And anything less is unacceptable. And that's what's held up before us. That's the operating system that says, this is the complete operating system to be rich and powerful and beautiful and healthy and, 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 and all of this. And, and, and that's what the, now listen, none of this stuff, you know, pursuing uh, a career, having a family, uh, trying to stay healthy, those, those are all absolutely fine pursuits. But when your world becomes obsessed with getting rich, when it becomes obsessed with trying to stay young, when it becomes obsessed with trying to uh, be make your mark and so that you won't be forgotten and and all those other things, you have fallen for the old operating system. And by the way, every one of us, when we were first born, booted that operating system. Every one of us got that operating system when we were born. And that's why now you have a new operating system and you go, 
yeah, I'm struggling now because some of the things that I used to just, it was okay. Now I'm struggling with those things. And I've talked with some of you over the years. We said, I'm struggling with this and, 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 and I, I used to, this used to not even bother me. Now it really bothers me. And the answer is, yeah, you have a new operating system. God is changing your heart. See, those in our world who have reached the top of the ladder in these areas, and there are many that have, they're popular, they're rich, they're powerful, they're successful. They come to the top and they go, is that all there is? Something is missing. This can't be it. The people of Corinth, like the people of our day, were enamored with everything that our pop culture holds precious. They were enamored over power and wealth and health and success and beauty and affluence and intelligent. And that's the, the, that's the current operating system of our pop culture. It, it, it was similar to that of Paul's world, but Paul is saying something we must hear, that the kingdom of God's operating system is counterculture. It's upside down to the operating system of this world. It's, it, it's just exactly the opposite. For example, Paul says that in weakness we're made strong. In fact, the most powerful demonstration of the kingdom of God on earth was what? When Jesus Christ came to earth, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created us in his image, the one who came from his throne to earth, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. And how did it end? He died on a cross and everyone around him was mocking him and making fun of him, saying, look at the criminal who just died. And where would any of us be had that event not taken place? Helpless and hopeless, without any salvation. And Paul says, the world holds up the powerful, the beautiful, the, the rich. And the richest, the most powerful, the greatest one came and died the lowest possible way. He became poor for us. He took our place. In one of the most powerful sermons that Jesus expressed, he expresses the core of this new kingdom operating system. And, and I want you to turn there. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 5. It's on page 736. Because Jesus says, I'm coming and the kingdom of God is operating on a totally new operating system. And that's why the disciples are going, we don't get that. We don't even know what that looks like. And Jesus is going to say, you know, I'm going to reboot your heart. I'm going to reboot your life. And your operating system is going to go counter to the world. And it's going to cause conflict. And that's why I think one of the greatest mistakes we make is we tell people, hey, come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. Yeah, not so much. Really, when you come to Christ and he gives you a new heart, you begin to have struggles you never had before. You have a new ethic. You have new values. You have a new, you have a new direction. You have a new Lord. <laughs> And so now you have, you're challenged because you didn't have that before. And, and in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, this is the section called the Beatitudes. And essentially that word blessed means the people who are truly blessed are these people. And that's what he's essentially saying. When he says blessed, he means those who, who have this happening in their lives are the ones who are truly blessed. Well, look, look at what Jesus, how he describes them. It's not the way the world that we live in describes them. He says, blessed 
are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Do you see the difference in this operating system? Paul is telling the church at Corinth, you have a new operating system. It's what Jesus said you would get when you came to Him. When He gave you a new heart, He gave you a new operating system. And it goes counter to the operating system of this world. This world says anybody who is a peacemaker is foolish. Anyone who is, who is a meek is somebody to be exploited. Right? Anyone who shows mercy is a fool. The Christians of Corinth were seeking the flashy, the powerful, the bigger, the popular things of the Spirit and following their favorite teachers. And this led to a division within their community. But Paul reminded them that it was the cross and their baptism pointed to weakness and brokenness. He basically was saying, is, did, did, were you rebooted because you achieved something? Because you, uh, you arrived? You, 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 you uh, conquered something? No, you, it was given to you. You're, you were rebooted because the one who, who made everything gave up everything so that you could find a new life. What Paul's saying is that God empowers those who are spiritually blind and deaf. Those who are weak and broken. Those who are hunger and hurting. Those who are lost and helpless. You see, the cross is our source of hope and forgiveness and strength. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, people are always criticizing the church and they're saying, well, you know, the church, they're filled with hypocrites. And I just go, yeah, absolutely. And I'm one of them. <laughs> they're sinners. They don't keep their word. Yep. God, guilty as charged. Um, uh, they're hypocrites. Absolutely. Yeah. They, see, that's the point. The, the point is that we don't have the final operating system. We have a flawed operating system. And sometimes God puts a perfectly good operating system on our hearts and we fight it. And our, and our hardware, our body, our, you know, our, own, our own personality, we, we, with God, and we say, no, you're not. And... and what happens? Have you ever had that happen where you get a, you, your computer doesn't like something or that the operating system does? Now, you know in Windows what it does. You go to the, the dreaded, they call it the blue screen. Some of you have had the blue screen. And you scream when you get the blue screen, especially when you have a document that you were working on for the last hour and it's not safe. Ever have that happen? Yeah. You, you have. You know what I'm talking about. And you say, so what happened there? What happened there was the operating system tried to do something with the hardware, and the hardware said, oh, no, you're not. And you had to reboot the computer or whatever device you're using. See, the church hasn't arrived. The church is a place for people who are broken, 
people who are hungry, people who are... We don't get it. We're imperfect. We're not patient. We're not loving. Paul's talking to a church that you look at this church and you say, this is a mess. And it was. Now, there were better expressions of the body of Christ in Paul's day. But none of them were perfect. I mean, go to the churches in Revelation, the seven churches in Revelation. There's, there's virtually not one church there that he says, perfect. You guys got it. He says, you, you did well here and here, but there's this one thing here, you know. And that's true in our lives. You see, um, there are times when... By the way, there are times when we as Christians or the church, we deserve to be criticized because we are, we're, we're bringing it on ourselves. Um, uh, it, it, the criticism is deserved and earned. But, but the church, the Christ followers, we are not perfect. God is still working on us, right? So here's the point I want you to see. Christians who see themselves as independent, and maybe you're one of them, I hope you're not, that you say, I don't need the church community, and I don't really need Jesus very much. I need Him now and then, just to kind of knock off the, the buff me up a little bit, but not too bad. The people who see themselves as super spiritual because they have manifest the gifts of the Spirit, or they think they're pretty much arrived because they know the Bible so well. They know all the people, they know all the names, they know all the stories, they know all the theology. They think they've arrived. Now, if you say, I don't need the church, I'm pretty smart, I'm intelligent, I know the Bible, I'm all about the gifts of the Spirit, I have, I'm have, I'm a prophet, I heal, I speak in tongues, I don't really have the gifts of the, or the fruit of the Spirit, but I have the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, you, you can name a whole bunch of things. I just want to say to you, if you think you've arrived because of any of those things, you are absolutely delusional. You really are. The church consists of a new community of people from all walks of life who are hurting and broken, lost and lonely, helpless and hopeless. And we have been given a new heart, a new operating system. And God says, I want to do a work from the inside out. And I want to give you a heavenly, eternal reboot of your heart. And I'm going to begin to change you. And we're going to continue to update that operating system as you allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to mold you and make you into who I want you to be. See, our power... Uh, often comes, uh, our very life comes from the oper- operating system of the universe. And we find our place as we operate within His operating system. Uh, when we allow His Word and His Spirit to change our spiritual code. When we allow Him to renew us daily. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God and to allow the Word of God to speak to your heart. Now, whether you're a good reader or not, it's irrelevant. Uh, <clears throat> you can listen to the Scripture. You can read small portions of the Scripture. There's multiple ways to do that. But hear this. Uh, this the God, God's operating system, it's upside down, and it's backwards from the, that of the world. And this whole world is headed for a cosmic reboot. That's what the book of Revelation says. The, the book of Revelation says one day God's going to cosmically reboot this whole world. And he says, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That's the new reboot. We're not there yet. We're in between. (laughs) We haven't had the final, final installation of the final operating system. But here's the thing. 
God wants to do a work in your heart. God wants to change you. You are imperfect. You are uh, absolutely not there yet. You never will be the side of heaven. Uh, that's not an excuse not to strive to follow Him. But understand this. God has rebooted your heart. He's changing you from the inside out. And Paul says something so incredibly powerful. He says this operating system is counter to the world. It is upside down to what the world teaches. It is not out of strength. It is out of weakness. Because here's the most important thing. Maybe this is the only thing you hear me say. If you don't think you need Jesus, if you don't think you need His help every day, if you don't think you need His Word, if you don't think you need His faith community, God is not going to be able to very much change your operating system. But as you say, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. I need God's Word. I need God's help. I need God's people. And you say, I, I, I'm imperfect, but I'm willing to allow God to... I'm going to be transparent with others and transparent with God so that He can come in and, and change me and, and fix those areas, hardware issues within me that need to be changed. And as we do that, we will go through the weeks, we will go through the months, we will go through the years, and we will look back in five years and we'll say, my operating system today is so much different, so much more in tune with the heavenly eternal operating system that was given. One last passage. Let me give this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Paul just summarizes. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest human strength. Do you believe that? There's a whole bunch of Christians in, that don't believe that in this world today. There were a bunch of Christians in Corinth that didn't believe that. But when you understand that God's wisdom to this world seems weak, out of date, Far gone. But we, as Paul said, know that it's our only hope. It's what rebooted our lives. It's what gave us a new life. And when we allow that operating system to run strong in our lives, we will begin to have joy and peace and purpose and meaning. And we will bask in His grace and in His mercy on a daily basis. May God help us to embrace His weakness, this new operating system that is eternal and from heaven. And may God transform us daily from the inside out so that we can be all that He desires us to be. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. And so, Father, this is easy to talk about. It's hard to do. And it really comes as we submit to You and allow You to work in our hearts as You change our operating system, little by little. And Father, the work You're doing in me is going to be different than the work that You're doing in someone else. But You are doing a work in all of us. Because You have begun a work that You will complete, Your Word says. So maybe the response we should have this weekend is, 
Jesus, show me the area of my life, the area of my operating system, my heart, where I am not allowing you access to change the code. Maybe, Father, I've just not been in the Word to allow the Word to speak to my heart. I don't know. Maybe I need help because I need to find a Christian brother or sister that can help me get through this. Maybe I'm not even, I haven't even had my heart rebooted and I've never prayed to receive Christ. Hey, Father, I pray that they may, somebody here may pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I realize that you came to earth to save me, to give me a new heart and a new life, something I can't do for myself. I realize that forgiveness and freedom can only come because you took my sin, my rebellion on the cross. You lived the life I should have lived. You died the death I should have died. You gave your life to me, and now I give my life to you. And I ask you to begin the work of transformation and change in me today. For those who prayed this prayer, Father, I would ask they would let somebody else know so they can walk with them and help them in this path of transformation. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the weakness of the cross because it's our only strength. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.